0: book of Romans chapter number 6, Romans chapter number 6, and we're going to start reading at verse number 1, and uh, we are uh, continuing here in our sermon series on biblical foundations, and uh, we have been looking at uh, the subject of water baptism, and we have been uh, looking at uh, the, uh, the details of this Uh, ordinance uh, this uh, command of Christ himself and uh, we've been looking at some of the truths from God's words uh, God's word in regards to this and so we're going to pick up here uh, on this and uh, take a look here in the word of God uh, for this tonight if you would stand with me as we uh, read here tonight Out of Romans chapter 6, and we're going to start here at verse number 1. I'm going to read a handful of verses here, so if you will, uh, bear with me. Hang tight. I'm going to read them just as quickly as I can. And uh, we're going to uh, take a look here out of the scripture. If you're there with me, won't you say amen this evening? What shall we say then? Paul asked the question. Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ. We believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I love every bit of what we just read. Hallelujah. The word of God is powerful and true. We're going to take a look at this here tonight, amen. We have been talking, so week before last, we, had, we, were, we were talking in regards to how do we baptize? How do we baptize? And we were talking about some of the differences of what we find in scripture in John's baptism and then baptism after Christ had been crucified. What does this mean? And the authority of being baptized in the name of Jesus And uh, we were looking at all of these things. And so tonight we're going to be looking on what is the meaning of baptism. What does it mean when we are baptized? So let's pray together. Ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, again we thank you for your faithfulness. We give you praise. We give you glory tonight for your presence, your power, for your people. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us. Anoint your word. I pray that you would help us as we learn, as we grow. Lord, as we take in the knowledge of your good word and apply it in our hearts and lives. Studying the word of God so that we might rightly know how to divide the word of God. And, Lord, I pray help us tonight. Anoint our hearts and ears to hear my mind, my lips to preach to bring you glory, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated this evening. Let me just recap a couple of things here if I can. As we have been looking at, the, at biblical foundations, doctrinal truths, we have been saying over and again, we have been addressing and looking at these things of what we believe and why do we believe them. Uh, it is uh, interesting to me that sometimes when you ask somebody uh, if they, uh, if you were to say, you know, uh, uh, what what is it that you believe in regards to uh, the things of God, and uh, sometimes folks will only tell you about their church. Uh, sometimes folks will only tell you about their pastor. Sometimes folks will only tell you of all the things they don't do. Amen. And uh, sometimes they will tell you maybe of certain programs or certain things about membership or whatever the case might be. And can I say that we are in a terrible place when those are the answers, when those are our responses. And tonight, let me say again that in preaching these things, this is not so that when you are having conversation with somebody and leading them maybe to the Lord or testifying about the goodness of God in your life or or uh, sharing what God has done for you that you have to set. And Brother Chad, we have to go all over all these fundamental truths and all these things that understand that, and we've touched on this when we were talking, about salvation and the fact that the great question, one of the greatest questions that someone could propose to us would be like that of the Philippian jailer when he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Amen. There are people uh, that are hungry, that are hurting, that are looking for some hope, and, and uh, they're not looking for a theological dissertation. They're not looking for all the ins and outs of the organizational structure and and church government hierarchy and for you to describe all of that we need to be able to tell them about what it is to have been to Jesus what it is to have been to Calvary what it's been like for the blood of the lamb to have been washed over our hearts and lives and cleansed us brother Eddie how at one point we were on our way to hell and God stepped in and he saved us and he turned our lives around and What a wonderful testimony to share. But in regards to this and knowing this, saying, well, Brother Jacob, if if it's not for those things, then why is it? Because, as we've been saying, there is much that is contending for what you believe. I want you to understand the Bible tells us... uh, that uh, without uh, for the there's two things that we find there's great power in one is the word of God says where there is no vision the people perish but it also tells us this he said that due to a lack of knowledge that my children are killed all the day long amen I want you to understand to know tonight that it is imperative it is a command of God's word that we are studying that we know the word of God that we fortify ourselves and that we take a look at what God's word means and what is it saying. And in this, we've been looking upon these particular subjects. We've been t- taking a look on the uh, uh, effects of sin. We we've preached on all have sin. We've talked about salvation. What does redemption mean? What does it mean that Christ is the propitiation or the substitute of our sins? What does it mean to be redeemed? What are these things and so we've been looking at that and one of the things that we come to find and what we've been spending a little bit of time on is the fact here on the subject of baptism we have shared and said that there is a handful if you will if I were to narrow it down of topics that are very divisive within the church, and some things as to where people are easily misled. Some things as to where they just don't aren't aware of. And I've said uh, I've said early on that oftentimes the things that we do not understand are the things that we fear, the things that we don't take time to know about. When we assume, when we just grab a hold of this opinion or that thing, or we just grab a hold of everything that's been said, and we are not checking it or backing it with the Word of God, uh, then it is very easy to be led astray on these things. And so as a result of that, uh, baptism is one of those things that have been a topic as to where it's been topsy-turvy, it's been misrepresented, it's been misinterpreted, it has been uh, preached in error, all of these things. And so uh, what, have we, uh, what have we solidified? We solidify, uh, solidified the fact uh, that uh, of some things that baptism, what water baptism is not. Uh, we have talked about the fact that baptism is not the means to salvation. We had uh, we preached very plainly in regards that that only comes by way of the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, well, the water doesn't wash away our sins. Uh, it doesn't matter what tank you're in. It doesn't matter what pond you find. Mind. It doesn't matter I've heard of men being baptized in their bathtubs I was a part of that I've seen men baptized in swimming pools Brother Matthew I've seen I've seen folks hey Amen If you grew up where I grew up Out there in the boondocks Out there where the zip codes E-I-E-I-O We didn't have fancy water baptism tanks We didn't have water heated tank baptism pools Amen we went down to Brushy Creek and we'd go to Brushy Creek and that's where we'd go. Amen. And get baptized. Uh, we'd go out there and, Amen. You'd have to go out, find a place deep enough to hold somebody under for a little bit. Praise God. And if it's too shallow, get them a big rock to hold on to while they went down. Amen. Keep them, keep them down there a little bit. Praise the Lord. Oh, but I can tell you, we, I, I knew of a brother uh, that had testified when he was born again. It was in the middle of January. And it was a severe winter. But after being born again, he told the pastor, he said, I have got to be baptized. I want to be baptized. The pastor said, can't we wait till spring? He said no He said I want to be baptized now So Pastor said alright He said you know it's going to be cold He said I know And so they literally chipped out Peace broke up ice To get into a spot to be baptized in the water Can I, I'm i saying all this to say Doesn't matter if a tank, a pond, a horse trough Doesn't matter if it's water in a ditch A bathtub or a brushy creek Amen the water don't wash away my sin But nothing but the blood of Jesus does He is the true. The way and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him. Somebody shout Him, amen. Not the tank, amen. Not the preacher. Not the organization we've been looking because there are some that will preach and believe that the water, the, bat, the act of baptism, it guarantees you a place into the heaven. It, it cleanses you of sin. It is necessary for you to be a child of God. Uh, there are some that believe that if you will baptize children, babies, that it uh, essentially takes original sin out of their soul and gives them a place in heaven. Uh, there are some that believe it must be their way in their church, in their denomination. Otherwise, your baptism is invalid. And so these are the things that we've been tackling. You must understand by way of this, this is why, Brother Marvin, we've got to set the record straight. This is why we've got to keep going back to the Bible. This is why we keep looking at the truth of God's Word. Amen. And so in this, when we were talking about how do we baptize, We find that there was, uh, there still is and there was all of the reasons that there's arguments on how do we baptize and And, uh, you know, some say, well, we only baptize in Jesus' name. And some say, well, we baptize and it's got to be in Jesus' name. It's got to be in this church. It's got to be in this organization, whatever the case might be. But when we look at the Word of God, Matthew 28 and 19, we have been looking here and we have been reading of the fact where Jesus had told them, He said, of this command, and this is why baptism is considered an ordinance of the church, a law. And simply what an ordinance means is that it is the command of Christ. Christ told them, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And we see this, we find it very plain. We see it's laid out there, exactly what to do. Isn't it just like us? our humanity that we are always trying to reinvent the wheel. We are always trying to change something up. We are always trying to create something. Amen. Something that we think is a precedence. Something that we think we should be added to. I just want to pause here and reiterate something to you church in the fact that God and His word and His truth is enough in every situation. It does not need to to be added to and it definitely does not need to be taken away from. But we find that when humanity puts our spin on it, when we are trying to, whether it is to uh, give preferential treatment to people and we're adding things to scripture or we're taking things away or there's things that we will pull out of the word of God and say, well, I've heard some people say, well, that's Old Testament. That's New Testament. That went away with the disciples. don't happen anymore. This don't. Let me just remind you we preach and believe all. Somebody please shout all. All of the gospel. Brother Eli, if I don't have all of it, then none of it is good for me. Amen. Hear what I'm saying tonight. Well, Brother Jacob, that's a bold statement because there's good churches, there's good denominations, there's good preachers, there's good this. Yes, I agree. There's some good folks, there's good organizations, there's good people. I've met some fine folks that believe different than me. I've been into some churches that didn't practice certain doctrinal things that I do. I've been around some folks, Brother Michael. I've sat and heard some preachers preach some things that according to the Word of God, not my opinion, that they did not adhere to, that they left out or thought could be separated or thought it was for certain time restraints and time periods. And some would say, Brother Jacob, what you're getting ready to to say. It's narrow-minded. You won't have many friends if you talk like this. Well, let me just assure you it is not a popularity contest. This is not about being the most popular preacher in Beaumont. This is not about having friends and making acquaintances and rubbing shoulders with everybody. I'm here to tell you if we are isolated and ostracized and made fun of because we believe all of the Bible, then let it be. Because at the end of the day, i I will stand before God and you will stand before God. And we either lived this thing all the way or we didn't. And there are consequences to pay one way or the other. And so therefore, as far as I'm concerned, I want all of it and I want it right. Amen. Even if it goes against the grain of my feelings, even if it goes against the grain of what Papa taught me, of what Granny always said, of what Deacon Do-Right said a long time ago, of what this one did or what that one said or this church. Well, surely, surely, pastor, this church is right or that church is right. Look at the crowds they have. Look at the money they have. Look at all the things they can do. Look at all the good that goes on. Again, I'm not saying that there aren't people who, to the maybe some of them, to the best of their knowledge, they're trying to do the best that they can. Sister Laura, they can be sincere and they can be sincerely wrong. Amen. And so therefore, we must be careful as we rightly divide this word of truth. I say all of that to segue into this. In regards to baptism, in regards, we were talking. We ended a week a week before last in regards to the fact is that the precedence was being set in the Word of God. When we talk about to be baptized in Jesus' name, there were some that were saying, well, there's, there's this dichotomy. There's this thing. There are some that emphasize this and will teach that if it's not done this way, you're not saved. If it's not done like this, you will not make heaven. And what we were pointing out in the Scripture is It is very clear. First of all the words of Christ. He said baptizing them in the name of the Father. The Son and the Holy Ghost. And then we get to Acts chapter 2. And there are some that like to hang their hat. On Acts 2 and 38. Which says to be uh, baptized in Jesus name. And to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I will tell you this. It's that when we talk about being baptized in Jesus name it was not to separate or destroy the trinity of the Godhead it was not to diminish the work of God the Father or the work of God the Holy Ghost because if you will go back and read all of Acts chapter 2 when Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and began to preach to the multitudes that were there in Jerusalem you will find over and again in that message where God the Father is mentioned God the Son is and God the Holy Ghost had been experienced in that upper room and was upon the 120 and that day they were first preached the gospel. What did he say brother Chad? Christ and him crucified. Peter stood that day in the boldness of the Holy Ghost and he pointed that finger and said it was you that crucified that Savior. I will tell you before somebody says be dunked in our tank in the name Name of Jesus only be filled with the Holy Ghost that's how you're saved no sir first you find your way to the fountain of Calvary first you understand he was the substitutionary lamb and his blood washes away my sin when we get to the book of Revelation the word of God said John the revelator saw those that come through the tribulation how did they make it It said they were washed in the blood of the Lamb. I want to tell you, there is not Pentecost until first there is a Passover. There is no remission of sin without first the shedding of blood. We've got to understand that. We've got to get that right. Then we are saved, then we are baptized. Now you can be saved. I have seen where folks gave their life to Christ in the service. And before they left not only were they born again. But God gloriously filled them with the Holy Ghost. But understand is that this is a subsequent experience. First salvation. First salvation. At the cross. At the cross. Where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my soul rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day oh the cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction to me what's the meaning of baptism we're going to start right here with this the baptism water baptism is a picture of a spiritual truth it is a representation of the identification or the union of the believer with Christ. And what are we identified with? We are identified with his crucifixion. I want to tell you tonight, church, the church for a large part has gotten away. We've gotten away from preaching the cross. We've gotten away from the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ. There are some, they think they can program you saved that they can sing you saved they can feed you enough donuts and coffee till you saved they think they can serve enough hot dogs till you're saved they think there's enough strobe light and smoke until you're saved they can bring in a Nashville picker and an Opryland singer and it will not save you you can bring in the greatest pulpiteer in all of Jefferson County and it will not save you it is still the the cross and Paul said it is the preaching of the cross that seems foolish to the world but those that are saved it is the power of God hallelujah my sin was great and his grace was greater my sin was terrible and he shed his blood for my sin I want you to understand this is why when it speaks of brother Eli in the name of Jesus because not only did Peter preach this in Acts 2 and 38 and, and Acts chapter 2 actually just the entire chapter but we find over and again the apostle Paul we read uh, over <coughs> excuse me over a week ago Paul asked him, he said, why, I'm paraphrasing here, he said, why are we divided on this issue? He said, why is this a problem? Some of you say, well, I belong to Apollos. Some of you say, I belong to Cephas. Some of you say, I belong to this one. He said, did they die for you? He said, did they go to the cross for you? He said, I'm glad. I like how Paul, he just don't, he don't leave anything left unsaid. Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize none of you. He said, you're not dragging my name in this. He said, I'm not going to have anybody thinking that I'm their Savior. Because Paul later said, I am the chiefest of sinners. He said, I know what it was. And he said, to be a man lost in sin. Not only was he lost in sin and a great persecutor of the church, but he was a religious sinner. I believe some of the most deadly sinners are the religious sinners. What do you mean? They know God's Word. They know things. He knew. He knew. He grew up in the Sanhedrin. He grew up under some of the most experienced rabbis. And it was for this cause of the law. He was zealous. And he thought he was doing God a favor. Killing off these who proclaimed an allegiance to this man named Christ. And he went after every one of them. He went to persecute them. But on that road to Damascus. He found that man Jesus. That made himself real. I'm here to tell you friends. One of the reasons why we're baptized is because I identify that Christ died for me. He said Paul or Saul Saul why do you kick against the pricks? Why do you persecute me? Paul fell Saul fell off of that donkey he was blinded by the light of the glory of God that surrounded him and that day God not only changed his heart but changed his character because he changed his name. He said you're not Saul anymore. I'm gonna call you Paul that was a reflection of the character change that happened in his life friends I'm going to park right here and preach just a minute and tell you tonight that when we take a look at the meaning of water baptism it is the identification that we have been crucified with Christ and I'm going to tell you this I know the message of today's church that's very popular is not only come as you are, but stay as you are. There's churches they can pack it out and they're still leaving addicted and they're still leaving fornicating and they're still leaving hooked on stuff and they're still leaving bitter and they're still leaving mad and they're still leaving ate up with sin. Listen, you come in here how you want all day long but when you meet Christ the one that was crucified on the cross, that cross Was not in vain But it was for the saving of my soul And he will change your life He will change your life Listen here When we stand and when we partake in water baptism It is to testify of the fact That we are identifying with the work of the cross That has been done in our life I want you to understand, it signifies the point that we recognize that Christ died for us and that we can't have a life outside of that. Here in Romans, where we were reading, the Apostle Paul says, Shall we continue in sin? He is asking this because he's asking this question not to sinners, but he's asking this question to the saints. He said, Shall we continue in sin? In other words, why in the world are we still allowing some of these things to be tied to who we are? Is that who Christ is? Why in the world will we allow ourselves to go back into the... Bondage, He said, you did not receive the spirit of adoption to go back into bondage. In other words, I did not pull you out for you to turn around and to go back. For you to think that, oh, let me just preach here for a minute and tell somebody. is that if God has done a work in you. And I know there are some things that happened instantaneously. And there are some things that are what we call a progressive work of sanctification. And we'll teach on that a little bit later later but that means that there's some things that brother Chad the longer I walk with him and the more I walk with him sister Anna he will deal with me and pull some things out of me and he'll challenge me and that's a part of an ever growing and increasing relationship with Jesus Christ let me tell you this church it is not a situation to where you came to the altar back in 1942 and that's all you ever needed that's all that ever needed to have, listen, hear me clearly the blood of Jesus is enough but I will tell you this I am a man I deal with flesh I deal with my humanity and so do you and there's a million times don't think for a minute because I hold the microphone every service that I don't sin, that I'm a man that just never has any issues or problems, that's a lie from hell, I get frustrated like you do, I get tempted like you do. I get challenged like you do. People bother me like they bother you. There's situations come up and all I can do to, to joy is shake my head. There's times I'll get news of something and my ears turn as red as this carpet. And my wife will say, what's wrong? I say, I'm not even going to talk about it right now. Because right now if I try to talk about it, I'll be unsanctified, I promise you. You didn't know your pastor acted that way, did you? You didn't know. Oh, I know, Sister Brenda, they believe that we all just go to Mars during the week and we live there and work. And, and untouched by the world No, no And we come back and show up super spiritual on a Wednesday I get tickled sometimes Oh, I'm telling you I might as well preach it I'm already here I'm already at this point I get tickled on Wednesdays and Sundays I'm telling you my phone It goes off over and over again All the reasons why somebody's not going to make it All the reasons why they can't And I get tickled sometimes And listen, I'm sorry if this sounds harsh But I'm just being truthful with you I get messages say well I've just had one of them days I just don't think I can get it together And yet here I am I better get it together and stand in that pulpit and preach I'm going to tell you I'm saying all this to say this brother Gary I need Christ every day I've got to get back to that altar I've got to get the flesh under subjection I've got to let that flesh be crucified With Christ Be careful what you're holding on to. Be careful what's settling in your heart. Be careful of all the reasons and justifications of why we think that we just can't do it. No, friend, it's not that you can't, it's that you won't. You can do whatever you want to do. I'm telling you again, I'm going to say it again. We will only be as spiritual as we are scriptural. If you're trying to do something that justifies behavior or actions outside of the word of God, you know what God's word says, and you're trying to circumvent it and think that your situation is unique, you have listened to a lie from hell. Hear me. Hear me. Well, you see, I've got to do this because of the pressure in my life. I've... I've got to do this because somebody did me wrong. I've got to be this way. No, you don't. Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Because grace is available, do we continue to test and push the limits of God's grace and continue to sin? He said, God forbid. Some of the reason why is we don't have a respect for God any longer. I've often said, and I believe it with all my heart, if we are behaving a certain way, if we are living a certain way, if we're doing things contrary to the word of God, and and listen to me, it's not just mortal sins of the flesh. Like I said before, when we were talking about all have sinned, Where all the time we point the finger at the person with a bottle in their hand, a needle in their arm, uh, uh, a a fornicating lifestyle, adultery, and a perverted uh, mind—all the sexual immoralities—and all of these, we'll point our fingers all day long at that because that stuff you see out bold and brazen and blatant. But I'm going to tell you something: there's things going on in the heart of God's people sitting right in these pews. Can't forgive? You're bitter. You're mad, you're frustrated, you got prejudice. The list goes on and on and on. Shall we continue in sin? God forbid. I have identified with Christ. Well, Brother Jacob, now you're just pushing this a little too far because we are not perfect people. You yourself just confessed some of your faults. You yourself, you're right, I didn't say that. But what I am saying is that every day I should be endeavoring to be more like him. Identified with Christ. When I was baptized. When you were baptized. It was to show. Because this is what Paul said. He said know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. I'm going to stop right here and tell you something. The death of Christ is not what you see on fancy paintings hanging in art galleries. You know what I'm talking about. My great-grandma Ada, she had one of those portraits of Jesus that everybody and their brother had back in the day, right? She had two of them. One of them, some of you will remember this, one of them was a little bit larger, and it's Christ, and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's kneeling at a big rock. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, sis? And his hand, Sister Brenda's back there snickering, and his hands are folded, and he's looking up to heaven. And there's a glow on his face. And it's just Jesus. And it's, I come to the garden alone. Right? While the dew is still on the roses. Good song. But it is this romanticized idea. You know what my Bible tells me? First of all, he had disciples. He said, would you pray for me? Would you pray with me? And they're busy falling asleep. And he goes further into that garden. And the further he went, Sister Mary, he was overcome. As literally the weight of the sins of our sins. Of the world were upon him That the internal pressure The internal struggle Was so great that his sweat Turns to blood and it's Running down his face and I can Hear can't you I can hear All of hell whispering And singing and screaming in his Ears in so much brother Michael The pressure was so great that Christ even prayed he knew It was the will of the father but He even prayed if it Is possible that this this cup would pass from me. But then he would say, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Or you've seen the picture. And so it wasn't Jesus sitting there smiling in the moonlight and looking up in the stars and thinking it was good. No, sir, this was grievous. It was taxing. It was pressure. He was suffering. I'll tell you right now, if he hadn't died in Gethsemane, he would have never made it to Calvary. Just it was a different kind of death. A different kind of death. You've seen the pictures I have. The second picture everybody had. Jesus hanging on the cross, a pretty loin cl- cloth, perfectly positioned. One little drizzle of blood running down his ribs. Little bits of blood running down his hands. And just a meek look off to the side and a little drizzle of blood from his crown. That's not what Calvary looked like. I hate to tell you. His body was pulverized. The whipping so great that normally it was the beating at the whipping post that killed a man first. Hanging on that cross. And I'll just tell you right now. A back that resembled a package of hamburger meat. And a body. Listen. The Bible even tells us, Sister Anna, they blindfolded him. In Pilate's Hall. And they would come around and they would make a fist and they would punch him right in the face. And they would say, come on and prophesy. Tell us who did that. You ever been spit on before? It's disgusting. It's embarrassing. It's a sign of disrespect. A well-known sign of disrespect across cultures of all of the globe. And can you imagine 50 to 75 to 100 men taking their turn, not only hitting you, But spitting in your face, covered with blood and men's saliva, and his face swelling. And they didn't stop there, grabbing handfuls of his beard and ripping it out of his face. I'm telling you, friends, this was not a Hollywood idea of death. And so when we say that we are crucified with him by way of baptism, You didn't go to the cross and I didn't either. He did it for me. But when I stood in that water and I went under that water, it was symbolic of the fact I have died with Christ. And so you think to yourself tonight, Brother Jacob, you're a little bit extreme, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't want want what my Savior did to be in vain. You hear me? I don't want my attitude I don't want my calloused heart, I don't want how I can sometimes treat the things of God so lightly to be a sign of disrespect that the suffering my Savior took on for me. I'll never forget being in Washington, D.C., had the privilege to go to the tomb of the unknown soldier, standing there, watching the changing of the guard. A guard that stands on duty all day. They will rotate shifts. Everything so respectful. Everything sanctimonious. When you walked up to the place, they had guards that would stand around. And they would look at that crowd. You got in that crowd, there was nobody cutting up. There was nobody making light. Everything was at a whisper. Everybody was at attention and respect. Watching. Watching all of the things that was happening. The tomb, the man, the soldier is unknown. But what is memorialized and what is respected and what is honored is the sacrifice of his life for our freedom. And if we could go to Washington, D.C., And I seen littles and bigs and everybody in between that was there, quiet, respectful, sanctimonious, knowing that if there was any sign of disrespect, any sign of cutting up, any sign of not taking this serious, you would be kicked off the premise. If we can do it for that, what has happened? What has happened for the church? What has happened? In our daily living we're so loose and we're so lazy we're so irresponsible we we are God is lucky if we give him a passing thought on the Sunday I gave him my two hours today I'm good it's all well really I'll say it like this, you and I, we owe our lives to Him. When I stood in that water, when I was baptized, it was to testify to the, uh, there was, there might have been 80 people that were there. It was a public testimony to my church family, to my, my family, that I identified with Christ, that my life was not mine own, that I recognized the price that was paid for me. And that I was going to do my best to represent him well. To represent him well. So I'm going to ask tonight. How is our representation? How is our life of service? How is it that we identify? How is it that folks see Jesus in us? Galatians 2 and 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 5 and 24, and they that are Christ, this is the word of God. Brother Gary, you told me what Brother Robert used to say. Don't hold me accountable, you hold God accountable. This is his word, not mine. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Brother Jacob, what you're saying, what you're proposing, what you are admonishing that we raise the standard and live by, that's so hard, that's so difficult. So was his death. So was his death. And I'm going to tell you something. You ain't seen hard. We don't know what hard is. Hard for us, our faith being in jeopardy, us being on the premise if we're going to backslide or not, is because somebody disagrees with us. It's because somebody's mad at us. We think we're persecuted because somebody didn't talk nice on your news feed on Facebook. You're not persecuted. You don't know what it is. We don't know what suffering is. We don't don't understand these things fully. I'm telling you, church, tonight, I feel so convicted. We had better get over ourselves. We had better get over ourselves and let God deal with us again. And get back to identifying with Christ. You want to identify with Christ? It is not how you identify. Listen to me. Hear me. There's time and place and there is, there is things that are appropriate in your standard of dress, in your speech, in your behavior, in where you go, who you affiliate with. Because what happens is when Christ comes in and lives with you and you learn to say, I've been crucified with him. It's not I that live anymore, but Christ that lives within me. Those things begin to change because he's working on the inside of you. You see, we bowled up and got mad at preachers and pastors because they would preach on specific things and we would tell them that they're meddling. We'd get mad. We think we've been liberated, but I think for a large part, we've just backslid. For a large part, all we've done is open the door wide and in the name of liberty, in the name of being smarter, in the name of being more enlightened, Now, I'm not not supporting every tactic that that was always used. I'm not talking about those that were hateful. I'm not talking about those that were sending everybody to hell over stupid stuff. You you get what I'm saying. Most people in here, you're mature enough to understand what I'm saying. But there are some things that we look at now and we laugh at and we snicker at and say, Oh, yeah, that was just the old timers. But you know what the old timers had? They had power. You know what the old timers had? They had revival. You know what the old timers had? They had a move of God and they had a relationship with God that kept them. Now we're always scared to death. Who's going to walk out the church? Scared to death. What's going to offend somebody? That they're going to leave the church. I'm telling you, friends. Such attitudes and such hearts. Such looseness is not of God. I know it's not popular. Okay, I'm getting ready to close. Galatians 6, 4, 14 says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. That's powerful. That's powerful. Sister Brenda, I would dare say, One out of ten churches will preach that. And I don't think I'm off. One out of ten would preach such things. That the world has been crucified unto me and I have been crucified unto the world. Because we are living under the adage of what can I do in this world and still be classified as a Christian. People will now justify reasons of shacking up together. I'd preach there a while. I'm going to tell you something. It's sin. It is sin. We got people now that are justifying all of the reasons for gross immorality. Gross immorality. Justifying reasons. We, we were talking the other day. Brother Danny, you better come. You better come rescue me. I was talking with somebody the other day. And we were talking about. So in the United States of America. We've got a problem. More than one. But, but here is one of the main problems. At a rapid rate churches are closing. Brother Gary was it you who was telling me about your friend in Louisiana. Cleveland, Texas, Cleveland, Texas, that the only Assembly of God church that was in that community locked its doors. Pentecostal church locked its doors. And not only them, but the Baptist church, First Baptist Church, has done the same thing. At a rapid rate, churches are closing by the droves. Did you know? Not only churches are closing, but did you know that now we have reached, and these are real numbers, we have reached a mark that over 1,500 ministers a month are leaving the ministry. My numbers are not wrong. Over 1,500 across this country, 1,500 ministers a month are walking away from the ministry. A plethora of reasons, different situations, but one overreaching situation is is that they feel that they're ministering to people that just don't care anymore. That don't, don't take the things of God serious anymore. That maybe really deep down they really don't care if they make heaven or not anymore. And on the same token. Most, this is an interesting statistic, that most churches that start, that open their doors, is not because they are pioneering a new work in an unevangelized area, but they are starting a new church because it is a group of people who are mad at the church that they attended, and so it is a split off of the church. It's not pleasing to God. It's not. And so therefore, we are a people that no more, it's not the world, I have been crucified to the world and the world's crucified to me. But now we have become so spoiled, so self-righteous, so full of ourselves and our ways, that we are making exceptions, given permissions. And we are condoning such behavior, such behavior, such practice. I know what I'm saying tonight is hard. I know what I'm saying is rough. I know what I'm saying is not widely accepted. I'm sure there's probably somebody here, something I said has hurt your feelings tonight. And that's okay. If it helps you to be upset with me, that's okay. But if you make heaven, that's all that matters. You can thank me when we get over there. You thank me when we get over there. Baptism, what does it mean? The first thing that it means is that we have been crucified with Christ. And I'm going to ask you tonight, church. Is that still your testimony? Is that still how you feel? Is that still how you identify? We got a world right now. They're trying to identify with everything. I identify as a kitty cat. I identify as a dog. I identify as a. I think I'm going to try to identify as a multimillionaire. How's that sound? I'm just going to walk into the. I'm going to walk into my credit union and say, I identify as a multimillionaire, and I want to see my bank statement showing that is got people you know what's sad let me say this we got folks in the church and they will say I identify I am the teacher I am the deacon I am the pastor I am the this I am the that then we have some that I am I am bitter I am angry I am you see where I'm going with this the world crucified to me and I crucified to the world. Sister Anna, I hate to break it to you. You're not the same. You're not who you once were. And so therefore, you're going to contend with that uncomfortable feeling when there are tendencies in the flesh that want to do what old Anna used to do. And what the Spirit of God that's working in you says, that's not you anymore. It's going to happen to you, Eddie. Kelsey, it'll happen to you. It should. We need the Spirit of God dealing with this, convicting us. When we sit in a service and we feel miserable and you want to crawl under a pew somewhere, good, good. We need that, Eli. That's called conviction. Conviction will help to save you. Conviction is necessary. Father, I thank you that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten son. And tonight, when we look at the meaning, the real meaning of what it is to be water baptized, it is to be identified with your crucifixion. It is to symbolize that we have been buried with you in death. The dying out of this flesh, the remission of our sins, the cleansing of our sins, our carnality, our attitudes, our hearts. And Lord, help us because in this day and in this hour, we find ourselves struggling as to where there's so much battle for our time and our attention. We are tolerating things and compromising in areas And we're still wanting a move of God. We're still wanting your power, but we cannot have it. We cannot have access to it unless that we get back to that place to say, Lord, let the world be crucified to me and I to the world. Shall we continue in sin that grace would abound? God forbid it. Do we not know that when we were baptized into Christ... We were baptized into his death. And his death was hard. Church, hear me tonight. The death of your flesh is hard. The death of your attitude is hard. The death of anger, the death of frustration, the death of secret sins, the death of things that want to attach themselves, it's hard. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. But may God's spirit challenge us. May we feel conviction. May we be drawn and say, Lord, help me to die out to you. Help me, Lord, by way of the work you did on the cross. Help me. I identify with you. I identify with you. If that's your prayer tonight, can we find ourselves a place around these altars this evening? Can we spend a little bit of time talking with the Savior tonight? I know I've went a little bit longer. But tonight, I believe that God wants to deal. I believe that God wants to challenge. I believe that God wants to stir. Lord, search me. Search me and know me. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. That's what David said. Oh, God, get me to Calvary. Oh, God, help me to remember, to recognize I am dead to this world, and this world is dead to me. I might be in this world, but your word declares I am not of this world. Oh Lord, I praise, challenge us, shake us. Lord, speak to us and deal with us, oh God. Oh, Robosia No, 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 Forgive me for what I've tolerated. Forgive me for what I've made excuse for. Forgive me for what I've justified. Forgive me, Lord, for the things. Oh, God, that I have made acceptance for. And tonight, help me to remember, make me, help me to recognize and realize. Oh, so No, no, Oh, search me.